Hey, you and I have been working together for over a year now, and we've never gone out and have a drink together. Well, I don't really drink. Well, you know what I mean. Well, you never asked me. You're not always the most approachable person, Chubbett. Well, I am approachable. Maybe you just don't know how to approach me. Oh, and who does know how to approach you? A lot of people. Gene, Steve. You're funny, Chubbett. Hello, listening people! Hello! You're listening to Spit and Posh Presents. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Sawinski. And I'm Bartek. Hi, Bartek. How are you? Good. How are you? You don't sound very good, yet you had a little struggle there. Good. How are you? <laughs> I, had a, I had a whole inner monologue journey that was like the movie length. Okay, how about you tell me the problem? And I, yes, but <laughs> you... <laughs> I started on my podcast in the second line. Yes, but how about you don't do that? <laughs> well, I was gonna not do it, but then I did it. Yes, but. <laughs> I think I actually screwed up how the yes, but game worked in this movie. You're supposed to say yes, but after I give you a solution to the problem. That's how oh, it works. Oh, right. Well, we'll Wait. talk about it more so. We are now, now I'm Ryan lost. and Bartek. <laughs> Spin Polish Cyclone because we're always spinning and we both happen to be Polish. Uh, we had a little unexpected time off in case anyone didn't notice because Melbourne went into lockdown again. So that the, was the a... whole whole state, I believe. Oh, just oh yes, the whole state of uh, Melbourne. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> there's other. It's people. actually Victoria for people that don't know. After after the Spice Girl. The Victorian <laughs> place. Yeah, Victoria Beckham. Victoria Beckham. Posh Spice, Posh Spice. Yeah, Posh. You had me question. I'm like, she wasn't. Pe- she wasn't Beckham back then, was she? Or said Peckham. Uh, who cares? She was be- uh, bend like Beckham. So I think we should care because I think I said she was we, my favorite in the movie. We are here to talk about a movie that has come recommended. I have recommended the movie for this one. It was supposed to happen earlier, but obviously we had to take some unexpected time off. We're back. Our batteries are freshly charged again. I think we're supposed to be wearing masks. But we're not. They don't know that. They do, because I just said so. They don't know that. Oh, you're, you're ed- lying. You're editing this. You're lying. I'm not editing this out. <laughs> so we are doing uh, pictures. Uh, Powwow. I recommended the film Christine from 2016. 2006 uh, Christine. Yeah, that's what I was going for, like yeah. the rhyming scheme there. And uh, if you have not seen this movie, it is not about a car that kills people. That is a different Christine from the 1980s. Uh, this is a movie, a true life story about a uh, reporter, Christine Chubbuck. If you have not seen this film, or if you don't know much about the real life story... I recommend that you go away, do some reading, or watch the actual film, and come back because we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. And if you are at all interested in giving this film a watch, um, and you don't know the true life story, then it could be interesting to see it on your own. If you do know know the true life story, it it's still a good movie to watch because of the great performances and how the film details the events itself. Um, in general, a rule of thumb is. We're talking about this, spoilers and all. 
Yeah, and if you want to look up the story, just because you don't know it, I think it's fair to say that it's a, a trigger warning thing happens. Yes, yeah. it's a, well, yes, yes. So uh, let's get into it, Bartek. What was your history and relationship with this feature film? Uh, my relationship was nothing. I did not know about it. Really? If, it, if it was mentioned at any point, I'd forgotten about it. So when you went into this... I think I mentioned last time to for you, I was like, I just want you to go into it, mm-hmm. not knowing what the true life story is to see how it impacted you when it actually unfolds. Before we get to that, mm-hmm. what were you expecting at all, if anything? I really did walk in blind. The only thing I would have known about this film is that when I found the film, there was like a one sentence uh, description, which was a reporter dealing with you know, depression and stress as she tries to advance her career. That was literally it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the movie. Uh, Not wrong. Uh, So I saw this... I heard about this movie when it came out. I I don't know if it actually came out to Australia. Probably didn't. Let's be honest. Not every movie comes out here. Mm. Especially movies like this that are not big movies. Uh, This one, it's not like... When we were starting Pictures Powwow, yep. one of the movies we really wanted to cover, if only if it came out in Australia, we wanted to go to the cinema to see it and then come back after a fresh viewing and it would be like just different, the one-off different and it never happened, was the movie Ma with Octavia Spencer. We talked about that, but then Ma never came to Australia. They advertised it here. There was posters. There was trailers. But they never actually distributed it here in the end. And then we said, ah, fuck it. We're never going to talk about Ma. Now I have no interest. I'd forgotten all about it. We had forgotten all about it. We also want to do that with if they kept the original Sonic design. Yeah. Um. So... And jumping even further back, didn't we want to do that with... Uh... The Kevin Spacey Cat movie, Nine Lives. Yeah, Nine Lives. But some movies don't come out here. I, I doubt that this one did. So I saw this eventually later on, and I heard good buzz about it. I mainly had heard a really great central performance by Rebecca Hall mm-hmm. was in this movie, and I didn't know Rebecca Hall really. And after watching the movie originally, I looked into her, and I was like, oh, she's been in like tons of things I have seen. But this is the first time that she had left an impression on me with her performance. I'm not saying that all the other things I had seen her in, she didn't make a, she didn't do a good job acting. It was more the piece that she was in. She either given a smaller role in the story, or the given story itself is the far more appealing thing. Such as she's in the Prestige, the Christopher Nolan movie, mm-hmm. and with it being a Nolan movie you're more drawn into the spectacle and the events and the direction and so on and so forth. Um, So I knew what the story was before going into it. I had already known this true life story uh, and I was interested to see how they would portray it on film and I was interested to see a really great performance because I like a character study. I like a movie that really shines a light on these type of issues, on mental health issues. We both like those type of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really wanted to see just... I, I just really wanted to see the movie. And eventually I tracked it down. We w- It was on Netflix, actually, in Australia for a little while. Oh, for a little while. Um, wasn't on there for long. 
And I remember my wife and I watched it. She didn't know the real story, um, the outcome of it. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the movie for what you can say enjoying this movie is. It was very effective. I found it very, um, yeah, just very full on. It made me cringe in a positive way many times. It made me feel sad. It made me feel anxious. Um, it made me feel, in a weird way, um, kind of airy as well. Because that's how I think of this movie. Very dreamy and kind of airy. Where it's like, because of the film's color palette and the kind of throwback 1970s aesthetic, it's almost like a lot of the film kind of has this kind of fog to it yeah and it kind of makes you feel like you're floating about from scene to scene even though lots of it is very tense and like pounds you to the ground because of this throwback color palette the lighting the clothing and the general kind of feeling like there's just like i would describe this movie as this feels like it's taking place at dusk it's it's a very psych- psychological feeling movie without really any abstract elements. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I really enjoyed it, and it's one that I was always curious of. How would this hold up for someone who doesn't know the full story? Because Rachel didn't know it, but she kind of had a feeling, because I was very keen on watching it, mm-hmm. that it must have been somewhat a fucked up true story, because rarely do I ever go, I really want to watch a fun true story film about a guy <laughs> who's going to be happy, or a woman who's... I'm not wa- I'm That not, old Babe Ruth movie. I'm not watching The Blind Side anytime soon, you know? <laughs> it's like, and Sandra Bullock saved this black guy's life with her amazing white lady skills. Obviously, that's like a... That sounds fantastic. ...exaggerated true story where a lot of it's bullshit. But what did you feel and think about the movie, Bartek? Now that we can talk about it fully, because yes, trigger warning, this is a movie about a woman who commits suicide. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think we can say it now. At the journey of her committing suicide, so it's not you know mm. it's not a light-hearted romp. Um, I really enjoyed this film. Like I said, it's it's a psychological film that doesn't really go into abstract elements. You really get into, or in some in some ways you don't. It, it's kind mm. of a mixed bag. You you really see what this person has been going through. You mm. you interpret like where she's going. There's a lot of unsettling things going on. Like for mm. myself, who didn't know where it was going, you know, the the answer at the end was like, oh man, it could be like any sort of dark thing. Once mm. once the gun gets introduced and gets reestablished shortly before it happens, it's like, oh, one of two things is going to happen. I think I know which one it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some someone's going to die, and it might be her or everyone else. Yeah. So. Yeah, this is a true story, like we said, news, you know, woman on the news, news anchor woman. Yeah, from uh, 1974. Killed herself live on air. Um, So you didn't know about this story until after you'd watched the movie. It wasn't one of those ones where once you saw it, you went, oh, I think I've actually known this story before. Because this is one of those ones where you either do know it, you partially know of it, or you don't know it at all. I didn't know it at all. Like, I didn't know it at all until I had heard, like... I had heard the pitch of the movie, like, oh, this one... You heard of this movie before the story. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think I'd... I don't know that I knew the specific story, but the idea of news reporter killing themselves live on the air, I think, has been used as a trope in certain things, whether it's a reference to this real-life event or just a, a general dystopic kind of thing. Mm, things mm. are so bad that 
public personalities are, you know, offing themselves. Yeah, the face of everything's going to be okay is showing us that things are not okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, this movie's a, a interesting thing to rewatch. Mm-hmm. Because um, I knew where the story was going to go it was like warning the signs. first time, but when I see it the second time, and I know what's like i i know what's wrong with her more so like the first time like oh she's just going to be this depressed lady who's gonna this one of the things that caught me off guard the first time round because i'm so used to these movies doing this or cliches or tropes of people care about her or at least they somewhat try to to broach the subject with her and she shuts it down. Yeah. Or she tries, but they don't understand fully. And that's what threw me off the first time in a good way. Usually I'm used to these movies where it's like someone who's obviously in distress and these people are so invested in themselves that they don't notice. And then when things flip around and things go hectic like it does at the end, it's like, oh my God, dramatic irony, all this kind of stuff. But in the movie, there's just so many times in which people take her aside and say, hey, I'm noticing things aren't okay. Can I help you? And it works to varying degrees. And on upon a rewatch of it, knowing that that was a factor in the movie, mm. it made it all the more devastating because I noticed which people genuinely meant it more and which ones didn't. And, um, or at least didn't fully want to commit to actually helping her. It was mm. something on their own merits of like, well, it'll make me feel good um, if I help her. Instead of actually wanting to help her for the sake of it being the right thing to do. Right, yeah. Um, or communicate with her. Uh, so that is something I really appreciated on the rewatch. And on my initial watch... I found myself noticing that I was um, I was noticing the performance, Rebecca Hall's performance, because I was watching it going, oh, this is the thing I'm in for, is this great performance. Right, you've been and, promised something. And I loved her performance the first time, but I was watching the movie and I was specifically noticing that and kind of missing out on some of the finer details that you see in a movie, the rest mm. of the mechanics, the other performances, for instance. Like, I really, really appreciate on this rewatch uh, Tracy Letts' performance as, as, as the manager, as her boss, mm-hmm. the, the pig-headed guy who, like, and I felt so Sorry for him yeah. in this watching over the first time around. I'm like, ah, fuck that guy. He was this... interesting because at first he kind of seems like a sort of like traditional 1970s misogynist boss. Yeah, but also like kind of dumb, but also kind of got his head in the game, like understands what he's doing. Yeah. Like he says, that's math. No, it's logic. <laughs> and he's like, okay, Christine, <laughs> like, it's not a pissing contest, you know, like. But I was appreciating these things on a rewatch. So, uh, yeah, the first time I was like watching it being like, okay, I know the story. I know she's going to be depressed. I know Rebecca Hall's performance is really great. And I was just kind of focusing on these things. But this time around, I was noticing like, oh, man, the mom is such an interesting character. Like, I don't know what her deal is, but I kind of do. Like, the film doesn't fully explain every nuance. It's like you yeah. hear past stories about Christine's issues in Boston. You get this idea that the mom has always been like this weird hippie lady. And it's like 
does her weird heepiness contribute to the fact that Christine has something wrong with her? Yeah, we or only, like, yeah, we only see the mum through like Christine's, you know, life. Yeah, until like near the end, right? Where oh, you yes, see it detach out and you see, oh my god. And I was really appreciating those aspects. And like I said to you, the the filmmaking itself, it is real kind of airy, dreamy, like this is a filmed at dusk type quality, even though obviously it isn't. There's lots of but there is this kind of weird, surreal quality to the movie. Like, there's just so many moments where it's like, it's nighttime. And you're like, no, it isn't. It's it's sunny. Did you notice that? I, I got a more cloudy feeling, yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. when you say it's night in a movie, you, you know what? you Night looks like a certain thing in movies night all has... the time, unless it's pointed out otherwise. But this T- is what Typically movies... in these kind of films, yeah, night uh, highlights, like, the isolation, because at night people aren't out as much. Yeah. And there are a lot of moments in this film where she's isolated, so that connection is there. And it reminds me of what night is like in Australia at the moment when we're in daylight savings and stuff, where the sun doesn't fully go down until like 8 8 30 kind of deal mm-hmm. and it was that kind of thing where she's like out and it's like you know supposed to be like seven o'clock and the sun is still kind of like there's still daylight protruding but they're calling it night and it kind of just that little touch it adds like a weird nature to the viewing experience but i've been doing a lot of talking Tell me more so about your watching experience of this. Like you said, you didn't really know where this was all kind of going towards, leaning towards. Was that a beneficial thing to you, do you think? Or do you think this would have been a more, um, not enjoyable, but a, you know, a more fulfilling experience knowing what the real life story was? I'm happy that I went through it the way I did. If I knew that this film was based on the story of someone who commits suicide and that that was going to be the ending and Mm. one of the most memorable parts of the film, I would have just been waiting for it the whole time and Mm. not focusing on, you know, basically being given all these pieces in this psychological story where uh, this character who feels very isolated, who you get all the fine you get a lot of details about her throughout the whole thing yeah you think you kind of got her figured out a little bit early on but you just keep learning things you keep learning things uh you don't know where a lot of the other characters are going because you're only seeing them through her through her basically um and through her paranoia through her paranoia uh you also do kind of have like an outsider thing like she has her uh, co-worker the main anchor george who yeah he's constantly trying to form a connection with her throughout the whole thing i thought we could have mentioned the, the her friend the one who the film ends on too because you get lots of perspective shots of her mm-hmm. observing that there's something wrong with christine and trying to do something about it too so it's not like yeah you do get other perspectives as well but they're still kind of filtered through the lens of our main character yeah and through all, through all the things you see, you get these moments where she does try to change her situation in a way, or... She's trying to be prova- proactive. She's trying to be proactive. Um, I was going to word it a certain way. Uh, she she recognises that she's not in a happy place in life and she's trying to actively make changes to make things better. Like, she has that whole scene where she's basically telling her boss, like, hey, how about dramatic reenactments and stuff like that? Yeah. And even though that is a proactive change, the way she goes about it, it's this really kind of almost cringy, pitiful kind of way of, like, oh, this 
this isn't going to work, but you're so enthusiastic about well, that, it. That, that's Christine throughout the movie, right? She, it is not like she's not trying, mm. but the issue is, sadly, with the way the movie demonstrates it is, she's not trying in the right way or hard enough. Mm. And that's a part of the tragedy too, because you see what a great toll it's taking on her. She's spending pretty much all of her time trying to fix these things, all of her energy, and that in turn adds to her depression because she doesn't have a social life, she doesn't have any romantic life going on, her mother isn't really there for her because her mother's trying to have an active life of her own, and it just feeds into itself she... so much. And then to be told, ah, this is a half-baked idea, you need to work on it some more, is truly devastating because we know that she's been trying to work on it hard. But at the same time, you can see that it's not there. You can cringe at it and go, no, you need to think about it. She does need to think about this more. But the issue is she is so obsessive and, and, and driven in these directions. And it just, like I said, it yeah. just keeps feeding into itself. Yeah, we were kind of making fun of it earlier, but the yes, but scene. I think just the amount of time she says yes, but and like... <laughs> you know, gives a really honest answer with no easy solution, really highlights her whole thing. We have to talk about that, I guess. That's the best scene in the movie, right? That whole sequence of her dates. Hmm. So, so let's... I'd have to think about it more, but it's certainly good. Let's set it up for the discussion a bit more. So, she's in love with Michael C. Hole's character, George the Reporter, and he finally, like, asks her out on a dinner date, and... You think it's going to be, like, really nice because throughout the movie, he's been kind of presented as, like, someone who isn't what you expect them to be because he isn't afraid to actually talk about his emotions and kind of talk to her about hers. And and they have that great back and forth at the at the party earlier in the movie in which he's like, you're not easy, um, you're not the most approachable person. Yeah, and, I and really... she's like, I am very approachable, just maybe you don't know how. <laughs> Right. I really like that scene, yeah. That's, that's a great that's a great exchange. But you get presented with he's a guy who who has a lot of problems himself and he's open to them and he asks her out finally on a date and he they even talk honestly, like, why hasn't this happened yet? And she's like, I shut people out and he's like, and I just don't take enough time to look at people for who they are. And you're like, This is great. You're yeah. gonna have this nice thing and hey, he's driving her and they're talking some more and she's like rambling and she's like acknowledging that she's rambling and he's like, It's fine. And he takes her to his high school and he gives some amazing backstory about his life and it kind of reflects on her issues as well. But then <laughs> he takes her to a group therapy session and you realize all of this was in service of himself in a way yes. of making him feel good because he's taken this woman who he sees as someone like he used to be and he's helping her. But what she, what we, the audience, know is she was getting what she needed already, which was this lovely date. Mm. So then she's just thrown into this group therapy session and she's split off from him. She's with some random woman who for most of the scene, we barely see her face. We see mostly behind. Yeah. Her, and we do get shots of her face, but it just kind of demonstrates more so like just the abstract nature of this whole scenario. And then... 
You're given this test with this random stranger who's like, basically, tell me all of your problems and I'll come up with a half-baked, off-the-cuff solution for them as if I'm right. And you tell me why that doesn't work. And there's, yeah, and this is almost... Like, when he, when when the guy took her to the gym for the therapy thing, you almost, at least I was getting this impression of, like, is he taking her to, like, a cult thing? Like, because yeah. it's really mysterious. He didn't foreshadow it at all. And he it just felt, like, really, really planned. Mm-hmm. And then when it ended up being group therapy, it was like, oh, okay. Um, but still. But still, this, this woman's actions, she was very, fully invested in this thing, almost in this, like, cult-like manner of, like, mm-hmm. all right, let's do it. Um, so you got the impression of like, okay, well, she's trying to help. But even, then I noticed when um, when Christine mentions that she's still a virgin, like that kind of shifted everything. sort of professionalism almost snaps or almost it did snap where she was just like, oh, okay. And I was like, oh, you kind of broke the illusion. So it's yeah. like this person who's trying to help you really is just a person. I think it's probably one of the best scenes in the movie because Christine as a character is very guarded, even to us, the audience. Like you were saying at the beginning of this discussion, we get to know a lot about it, but also we don't. Because mm. she's open but shut off at the same time the to film... us, the audience. And this is the scene in which, you know, this is the Oscar scene, right? Where they show it at the Oscars, right? If she got no- if Rebecca Hall got nominated, this would be the clip they would play. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, probably. yeah. Probably, maybe. Because it's a great demonstration of this is the scene in which we get to see her come out of her shell in both a good and bad way, because I also feel good that she's opening up in this way, letting it out, but also I feel bad because this situation shouldn't be fucking happening. Yeah, it's very honest insight, but it's also very forced. And it's finally we're seeing her open up and kind of realise things about herself that she's been shutting off, like all this issues with her ovaries and, and, and her sex life and her just general life. We've seen her kind of push to the side a lot during that this point at the movie by just saying, oh, I'm just stressed. Yeah. Just stressed. And he is like the scene in which she's finally kind of confronted with it and she's just like pouring her heart out to this woman who doesn't really care. Not really. Not personally caring, no. No. She and she's not the person who should be being bestowed she, this information. She cares, she cares about the process, but not no personal connection, I guess. She doesn't care about the person. Yeah. That's the thing. So that's what makes the scene also heartbreaking because that's kind of this movie, right? It's these people just kind of missing each other's things going on, like ha- what happens in real life as yeah. well. Like it, it's, it's it's noble intentions, but it's like all the things it's, are yeah, wrong at the same time. It's, it's not exactly that they're putting on a facade of caring. It's just that they don't know how serious the situation really is. Like that they they don't know the context. They don't know the context. Like we mentioned the boss character earlier, how mm. he's a bit of a hard ass. When he find his final scene is him realizing like exactly what Christine was going through, her yeah. exact thoughts and everything, and he's just horrified. He's not even listening to the police telling him, "Hey, please don't do what but you're doing." Here's a wonderful thing about this movie: is it's so easy for, and this is not to diminish the real life people, but this is just to talk about the artistic choice of the movie. Is it? doesn't just make it that Christine was just a poor victim of the circumstances and everything was just woe is her because she fires shots off at him, the boss. Mm -hmm. They go way over the line and you realize, hey, 
he's a fucking person too who's got some serious things going on in his life. When she has the comments about his wife being drunk and you're bringing it in here and putting it on me, she went over the line. She did, yeah. And it made you go, hey, actually, I kind of feel bad for this. And that's what I really appreciate about this movie is it wasn't afraid to show that, yes, Christine was suffering greatly, but that doesn't diminish the fact that she made people around her suffer as well, or the fact that other people also have suffering going on. Um, obviously, the film's still focused on hers and how it all crescendos, and, and these people could have been more helpful than what they actually were, but there is a level of... This is still partly... This is still her thing, right? This is It's still her life. Yeah. She still has these choices that she makes, even though she has, obviously, these mental illnesses going on and there's this stuff going on, but it is a... A wonderful choice, because in a lot of these movies, one of the things, or stories, one of the things that does ring hollow, or not necessarily true, is they always do it as, as just a victim-martyring complex kind of thing, where it's just like, Christine never had a chance, you know? Yeah. She she didn't really have that much of a chance, but there were moments where she put the spikes on the road for herself, mm-hmm. which is what happens in real life with a lot of people. Yeah, defeatist attitude. Yeah, it's it's an unfortunate thing, but I really appreciated that aspect too of like the boss guy, right? He could have just been the 2D villainous, misogynistic boss guy, but then you're like, the more you hear about the stuff he has to deal with, oh my god, he's doing pretty well considering. Because Christine is weird, right? She's like throwing all this weird shit at him and he's like, dude, I just need the station to work like this. You're a good reporter. Do that. You're the smartest person here, he even says. Yeah, yeah, but you don't understand how I need things to work. And it's just like a lack of communication. Hence, the group therapy scene and that whole sequence is great because it also is the, the height of showing the lack of real communication because it's like Michael C. Hall's character takes it as group therapy session to communicate, but it's like she was already doing that. She was doing that on the date. She was it, yeah. communicating with you in a healthy manner. It's like it's like he um he's really honed in on the fact that this thing is the thing that helped me. Mm. Therefore, it is the solution. Mm-hmm. And he sandbags her. He he takes her by surprise and throws her into the situation that maybe could have been beneficial, but it's not going to be because she got trapped into it. Mm. When he had it happen. Somebody welcomed him into it, right? So it was yeah. beneficial for him. He probably wasn't trapped into it, yeah. She was trapped into it. She 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 got lured in on the promise that this was going to be a nice date. And then it was actually, hey, I think you need therapy. Could you imagine how fucking sad that would make you? Yeah. Well, I mean, he technically did say, let's go somewhere and talk, just... Are we going to talk to each other? <laughs> he said, let's have dinner. <laughs> let's have dinner and then afterwards go somewhere and talk. Yeah, but... No, I know. I'm making, he didn't I'm, even talk. I know. <laughs> well, he talked before taking her inside. Yeah, but then they separated, right? <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a fucking devastating. It's probably the most one of the most one of the many devastating sequences in the movie because you just feel like, oh fuck. Yeah, you've definitely made me think about it a lot more now. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, I, not that I didn't notice it then, but yeah, his character though it was very interesting. Like the pool scene, I mentioned, I like that one. Yeah. As yeah. in, they're playing pool, they're not in a. Pool. Yeah, when that the bosses, like the big bosses, the man, like the. the, the Fourth of July party. Fourth of July party, and they're at that old guy's house. I liked him too when she went to Bob him. Bob Woodward, I think. His yeah, name was. yeah. When she went to him, pretending that she had a flat tire or whatever, that was a good scene as well. But uh, yeah, 
He, he was w- just nice. He, yeah, he wasn't really a scary guy, but like his attitude was like very blunt and unhelpful. Like, oh, things just happen because I feel like it. Yeah, trust your gut. Yeah. But um, yeah, that pool scene, like one of the things I was kind of dreading there was like, oh, the cliche of like, oh, he's kind of feels like he's flirting with her. He's locked the door. <laughs> he's locked the door. But there was also this element of like, but the things he's saying, he's saying are like genuine psychology things. Like, yeah. you know, you have different personas based on who you talk to. I feel like there's a connection there. I, I feel like there's an understanding we can reach. So there was this element of like, no, I think he's being genuine, but like, is the film just going to make him, you know, be horny or something? So I was glad that it didn't. No, the film and then, then in... In true fashion to what the film is still communicating is, even with Christine, we're all self-involved mm. and self-interested because he's talking all that stuff. And like we said, it all leads up to him taking her to this group therapy session later on a date. And that's actually less beneficial to her mental health, well-being, but more beneficial to his um, um, sense of self. Because it makes him feel like he's achieved something. Mm. It worked for me. It'll work for you. It makes me feel good that you understand what it's like being me now. And I guess, I guess the whole sad thing is just like his heart is sort of in the right place. Yeah, that's the yeah. thing. His heart's in the right place. Like That's why it's like even the Tracy Letts character, even though he's the most antagonistic, his heart's in the right place too. Tracy Letts wh- the boss, right? Yeah, that's the boss. Yeah. That's the actor's name. Uh, his heart's in the right place as well for what angle he has to approach the stuff at. And Christine doesn't make it easy for him. And so it's like... It, it adds to the realism of the movie, remembering that this is a true story, that it is uncomfortable to be shown in a movie like this just how... Even though people's hearts are in the right place, they can only dedicate a certain amount of time to someone else... And that only... isn't really important to them because, you know, she's just a co-worker to these people. They can only understand so much based on regular day-to-day encounters. Yeah, and as, as much as she's willing to let them in as well. Because if this, Yeah, if this movie was like 10 or 20 minutes longer, you might have even had scenes of them saying things like, oh, the signs were there, I'm interpreting all these things differently now. I... What was your favourite... What was a standout sequence or scene scene for you? Was there something that really grabbed you by, by the scruff of your neck? Um, a lot of the scenes between her and the anchor, you know, the pool scene and yeah. that. Um, I liked the progression of the scenes where she does the puppet shows. Because mm. at first it is just this kind of cutesy thing of like, oh, she's doing puppet shows for... The children. The children with uh, disabilities or additional needs. Um, but then she's just doing them for herself. And then as <laughs> as it goes on, you see the kids less and less in these sequences. And, and they're the, more just on her. And then the exact last one is this very, like, somber kind of thing of, like, I have nothing to say and that should be okay. You don't even see or hear any other sign of life in the room. <sighs> yeah, it makes you even feel like, is she even there? Like, yeah, they... <laughs> At I mean, the I hospital. B- yeah, I like, believe she was there, but, like... I know, but it's It like... was so centred on her and such a close-up. And like I said, there's an an airy dreamy quality to the filmmaking that you know like it, mm. it really does get you in this headspace one of the scenes that really really hit me on, on on this watch is when she got stood up by her mum mm-hmm. and she's been then spending the whole time watching that couple yeah and then she decides to talk to them 
Mm. And it makes you just want to crawl out of your skin because you're like, oh no, how is she going to fuck this one up? Mm. And she manages to be relatively cool whilst also crying (laughs) about it. Um, I asked primarily earlier if it was beneficial to you to have known the information or not. I ask it because this movie doesn't have like a very strong traditional Hollywood A to B to C plot. It is just kind of a, here's this woman and she's kind of dealing with professional and mental health issues and then she kills herself. And I was wanting to make sure for someone like you, if knowing beforehand would have made it easier or less or whatever, because did it, did that affect your enjoyment of the movie of just this is like you didn't know where it was going of this is just a movie of this woman just kind of having life happen to her like it is kind of a weird slice of life movie was did you enjoy that yes because it was clearly leading up to something right so that that it is te- it's a completely linear film it's nothing's told out of order it is a to b technically yeah. but you don't know what b is going to be like the final bit so right so that was one thing that i was leading to and you know i mentioned it earlier even when the gun was first established i mm. kind of didn't focus on it much when it was shown again and she put it inside the puppet that's where things started narrowing down and then she had her whole behavioral change where she's basically kissing up to her boss she's smiling she's all about things and it's like oh god this woman's given up yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, in the final sequence of events yeah. where she's like, yes, I'm doing this. Because she has many... But here's the thing. The film got you... If you didn't know, the film also, in a way, got you comfortable with her doing that because she had done that like three or four times throughout this movie already where she's like, flipped the switch and she's like, I'm actually proactive and I'm going to try and do my best. And here's what I think. I'm compromising my values for your values. And he keeps saying, that's not what I'm asking you to do. And she's like, no, it is though. Here you go. And then she'll show him some weird fucking thing and he'll be like, no. And then she'll get depressed. The two things that I would uh, say to that is that one, she did it like to an even more giddy, like proactive extent. And two, this was already after we had the, yes but scene where yeah, yeah. she outright said things like um i don't want to compromise my values so the fact that we saw that and very soon after she does exactly that it's like this woman it has my has given up <laughs> this is this is different from what happened previously i also want to talk about her mother yes what did you think of her mother through yeah we we see her mother in very fragmented scenes we get like Mm. key points we know that like oh she stood her up because she was held back at work and couldn't Mm. call we was she though well that's what i mean we see fragments so we don't know because then she turns up with this boyfriend out of nowhere and you're like oh she she was probably seeing that guy yeah, I mean, the the questions are all there, so it, mm. it's up to interpretation. But, like, the fragments we do see are, you know, she had that, she apologised for that, she mentions the boyfriend, the boyfriend's suddenly there, um, mm. she smokes pot in the backyard. The oh, sorry, the... On the porch. Not backyard, yeah, the, the porch balcony porch. With the neighbour. With the neighbour. <laughs> um, it's my day off. Yeah, through the beginning half of the film, she does kind of seem... Like, she doesn't have all these things together. You know, she's living with her Mm. daughter. 
kind of not so much the other way around. Like she's living with the daughter who does most of the paying and things yeah. like that. Um, she she's ha- the child in the relationship in comparison yeah. to her actual child. Yeah, and but then as the movie goes on, we start to see like sort of her taking a more motherly approach. Like she has that whole speech of like, sometimes you want me to be a friend, sometimes you want me to be a mum. Yeah. Um, there's that scene where she snaps back at her mum and she says, you know, I think you should apologise to me. Then they have an understanding and a hug and it's like, oh, mm. you know, th- this is the mother's side happening. She's happy for her daughter when she's going on the date. Um, uh, like the first time we see the boyfriend, because we're kind of looking from Christine's You mean point, Mitch? Mitch. Um, he kind of seems a bit odd, like, he goes to shake her hand, doesn't, and it's like, Call oh, sweetheart. Sweetheart, and then I think when she walks away, he has, like, some sarcastic comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I think after that, he's relatively, you know... Nice. Nice, normalish. Yeah, relatively normal. Yeah, it's... I find the mother a very interesting character, because she's the one that really is affected by us being put in Christine's headspace from the beginning, right? Because every other character is like stock standard, like, here's the journalist guy, and that's the corny weatherman who doesn't get on with the news anchor, and her friend seems alright, and seems a little caring, and, oh, the boss is a sexist pig, blah, but then you're like, oh, and then her mother is this silly hippie, carefree, doesn't really act like an adult. Woman, childish kind of. Yeah, yeah. And that's a weird thing to see in a movie. And she's like, you get this whole history without actually knowing everything. Like, she's living at home with her mum because of some incident that happened. And now her mum has to take care of her. But her mum is actually being taken care of by Christine instead. And you get that in the first half, right? But then you do get in the second half where it's like, no, 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 the mum is the mum. She does take care of Christine. She does do all these things. But since the first half of the movie, we're so entrenched in the viewpoint of our main character, we see the mum as this flaky loser character who's doing more harm than good. But then you see, no... She is there, she does care, she is doing her best, but like we know, we're grown-ups, you still live at home, your parents have to eventually have lives of their own Mm -hmm. outside of the child, right? Yep. And even in a feature film like this, some part of you thinks that's unreasonable because it's like, well, that's the mum. They should care about the daughter, but it's not really unreasonable like she's 30 years old the mum should be allowed to go out and date and like live a life you know yeah so it's interesting how the film manages for me to put you against the mother but also put you in the headspace of understanding what the mum's about without actually shifting it to the mum's perspective properly like you're still always at christine's point of view but the mother does become more human and more of more fleshed out, character, more yeah. fleshed out, and more nuanced as it goes along, while still retaining the kind of airheady, flaky, hippie nature that she's had from the very beginning. Um, it's not as if she does a complete like one eighty, and you're like, yeah. oh, it's not as if she doesn't have thirty years of experience having a daughter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the film is a, a lot. Um, was there a scene that made you very uncomfortable? Um, there were unsettling scenes. Like I mentioned the the scenes where Christine at the end is, you know, being all positive and Mm. it's very obviously leaning somewhere dark. 
Um, there's the scene where there, there were multiple of these. I'm trying to pinpoint them. There was one where it was. I, th- I, well, I mentioned also the, some of the scenes with the the co-anchor guy, where it's like, what is he? What is he what's leading his up deal? to? Yeah. He's saying things, but like, is it going to be the cliche thing? But what's what's going to happen? There was one other one. I was literally just about to mention it, where. It was, it was, it was. Well, you have the one where she's interviewing the chickens lady. (laughs) That was both funny and very upsetting. Well, I feel really uncomfortable. There's that scene when just after she's been told about her bad ovary Mm. and she's doing her interview on that set and she just breaks down about the fucking flowers. Yeah. She just completely loses it because she's like distracted. She's like zoning out. And they kind of notice, and she kind of notices, and then she's, like, directing her energy towards something else. And she, like, runs off and cries in the bathroom. Mm. Yeah, a lot of the scenes where she's struggling to keep it together. Mm-hmm. I think the one that I was thinking of that I forgot was just the the, the pitch scene where she's showing the dramatic reenactment. Mm. And you're, you're feeling this cringe or pity towards her and it's just like this isn't gonna work i can already see where this is going and you're not gonna be happy with the result but i can definitely see how you interpreted you know the instructions you were given to change up what you're doing it's yeah i i guess it all just centers back to the the central performance of our main character just so many things about what she does what she's feeling makes you feel unsettled She's great, isn't she, Rebecca Hall? Yeah, I I liked her after watching the film, but now that we're having this discussion and like really pinpointing things, it's really just elevating it. Is this one of the most overlooked performances in the last decade? I was shocked that she didn't get nominated for like any of these big awards. This is like one of the best fucking performances I've seen in a film. And I, I, I just go, no one's seen this movie. No one's talking about this. It really elevates Rebecca Hall to this new level for me as someone who actually has seen her in things. To make you feel even more depressed, Bartek, a year or two later, she goes to star in Holmes and Watson as the love interest to Will Ferrell. Hmm. I, I hope she nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> She's British. Yeah. Fuck. Like... I just, I, I don't know. I just find it one of those things where there's like, there's just so many great things she does in this movie. They're so subtle. I, this is a weird thing to point out, but it is something I need to point out. She, she's not afraid to, to be really like, um, in both physical terms and like character wise, just be very unattractive. Like, mm-hmm. in it, like, her character is this, but, like, she pulls these faces and these things that are just natural to real life where some other actresses, unfortunately, in these roles, don't do that or aren't allowed to do that. Like, do you know about um, Elizabeth Olsen in the Marvel movies? She plays the Scarlet Witch. I've heard and of the character. in a few of the movies, she had to do, like, big emotional crying out scenes. And she had to do them with a pretty face. She's like, but you can't do a pretty was, face when you're going... Rah! The, the word that keeps coming to my head while you're saying all that is, like, ugly crying. Yeah, you're not allowed to ugly cry. And this, Rebecca Hall's, like, just fucking going full out. And, it's, and it makes it feel so natural and so real and so raw that 
if I didn't even know that this was a true life story, I'd feel like w- I've spent time with a real person for the last, you know, 90 yeah. minutes or however long this movie went for. The openness to do, you know, ugly crying or ugly crying-like things, I think, adds to the isolationist aspect because that's the kind of thing you would probably do when you're alone. I really like with her performance how she um, uses her eyebrows as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just like how she furrows the eyebrows to really let us know what's going on in the character's head without actually having to say anything. Just, just so much attention to detail is going on. How she plays with her hair when she's nervous. How she like mm. flicks around with her hair and like throws it over one shoulder onto the other. And just so much attention to detail is in this um, central performance that when I watched it originally. It's a thing that stuck with me. It is one of those performances that elevates everything around it and or overshadows everything around it. And uh, it is, to me, one of the most overlooked. I, I've, I've often brought it up over the years. I'm like, hey, if anyone wants to see a really great performance, you should watch this one with Rebecca Hall. She's really great in it. Like, just wonderful stuff. She Yeah, she really transforms throughout the movie because, again... When I walked in, the only thing I knew was that one sentence thing of a reporter is struggling mm. with the depression and stuff to advance her career. And at the very beginning of the film, she is this kind of quirky, sociable-seeming character who does kind of have quips to things and yeah. like, smart, smart, uh, smart. smart Alec remarks. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of feels like, okay, so we're going to kind of be following this charismatic-ish character throughout the film and then you just find out this isn't who this person is she's actually incredibly yeah. closed this, these, a lot of these things are you know performances in a way this is one of those performances in which if she played this in like what was a non-true story movie it would still like I said still feel real this is me being exaggerating just for some comedic effect but mm-hmm. Did you get the feeling whenever watching this that this is like, um, what if the Ron Burgundy movie was dramatic? Because she's Veronica Corningstone. She's like the smart, capable woman in the office that no one takes seriously because she's the woman in the office. Obviously, it's not. I mean, this is a real life story. There's lots of things, but he is a Ron Burgundy like character. He's almost there, like the news anchor guy, with just how 70s machismo y. He is, but then that's the thing. Yeah. They show you he's a real guy. They give you these things about him that you wouldn't expect from him. Hence, it's like, you know, I have to make the Ron Burgundy <laughs> comparison just briefly because of the 70s yeah, fashion, I, the um... news world, <laughs> the transition from old news to if it bleeds, it leads type of deal, which is obviously we have to talk about that too. That's a large part of the movie is this is this transition of the sanctity of the news. What she considers and what we as the audience as well having now lived through what the news has turned into the the sanctity of the news being diminished for for money and for profit and for the views yeah a lot of ethics have been like gone against like oh this isn't local news but it's like oh but it could be yeah and just journalistic integrity being flushed down the down the Mm. toilet for for shock and values and shock value and all that kind of stuff. I, I knew I knew so little about the movie that when she actually showed like the dra- dramatic reenactment thing, I was like, oh, is this like the origin of that? Is that what the movie's yeah. about? But no, it wasn't. she was ahead of her time, but also not there yet. You know, it's very peculiar. Um, 
we got to, I guess, um, mention, we got to talk about it, the, the actual end when she kills herself. Oh, yeah, we haven't talked about that yet, have we? <laughs> well, there's, because that's that's the thing. This movie and this story often gets boiled down to, this is a story about a woman who shoots herself on air. Yeah. And that's why I also want you not to know that beforehand, because to my great surprise, the movie was more than just that. It absolutely is. See this whole episode before this point. <laughs> yeah. Hence, we're like, oh, yeah, we haven't even talked about that fully because there's just so much great character study and depth and stuff. Like, I also really like the scene in which she went to the doctor and got her ovaries checked out the first time. And he's like, better to be safe. And she's like, I'm just sure I'm stressed. <laughs> you know, like, she says, oh, I'm stressed. Yeah, it's that lie she's telling herself. Yeah, um, but we have to talk about it. When it happened, you said you kind of knew well, I was going to go one of two ways. Mm-hmm. And was this the way you thought it was going to go? Yeah, shoot herself. And how did it, how did you feel when it happened? Did you feel they did it tastefully? Because they show it. Yeah. They, they sh- I mean, it's a far away shot, but they show it. And uh, some people think that's tasteless. I've read some comments online that are like, they fucking show it. They shouldn't have done that. What do you think? How did it affect you when you watched it? And what do you think of that in general? Uh, I, I, I approve of them showing it. And I liked that the way they did it wasn't, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It wasn't very showy. It was very just blunt. Like you wasn't gratuitous. It wasn't gratuitous. That's a good word. It was, you're looking at what it would have looked like on TV how sudden it was, mm. how her tone of voice wasn't, like, you know, dramatic, and it's the first live execution. Boom! No, she's scared. She's scared. Yeah. She's unsettlingly kind of monotone in a way. Well, yeah, she's she's ready to die. I, uh, uh, like, I also like, well, not like, but one of the things that's very interesting about the movie is... Even then, her plan, like, things go differently than what they were supposed to, right? Because the tape jams. Mm. And then they're all rushing around and, like, all the people that she was going to kill herself in front of have left the room now because they're trying to figure out what's going on. And then you see her, she's like, ah, oh, and she's like, uh, it's a great touch. Again, you know, I understand this is a real life story, but we're talking about the c- cinema here. Of her being like, ah, oh, shit. And then you see her flick through all of her notes. And then she's like, ah, you know what? I'm actually going to go with my suicide one. Yeah, jumping it a, ahead. It was a weird, like, it's an interesting touch. But just adds to this kind of frantic realness of the movie. Part of, Yeah, part of me got a bit confused at that point. Not in a really bad way or anything like that. I was like, oh, did she jam the tape and I just missed it or something? Yeah, but... I can't remember if that's something. But either way, it is just things go wrong as usual. And the only way to end this is to kill myself. <laughs> um, what did you think of her little little speech she gives before before she went out about, you know, blood and guts yeah. live on air? <laughs> yeah, I called it an execution in my little skit before. I, I meant to say suicide. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, uh, again, the fact that it had like a sort of formality to it mm. kind of just adds to it. it. It wasn't just like, and now I'm going to kill myself. It was, you know, like she was leading up to a story or like, yeah. this actually is a dramatic breakthrough milestone for television. Yeah, it's... You know, I knew that though. I, I mean, I think it's fine that they showed it. I think it doesn't 
take it in a gratuitous fashion. I do think that with what this story is, a go a good portion of people know how it ends, and or like you, they can figure it out before it does happen. And I think that there's nothing wrong with actually showing it because a part of a, a part of the journey of watching this is you're gonna you're gonna see that. Like I would feel weird. It's gonna happen. And yeah. with how fly on the wall or kind of um, matter of fact this movie has been with every other horrible thing in the mo- in the in the world that she's encountered, all these terrible things that she's going through, it would kind of feel a little bit artsy fartsy cheating if you just cut away. You know what I'm talking about? I yeah. would feel it feels less raw. It feels less honest, yeah. less raw, and I don't want to say it, but I will. I would feel cheated as a viewer in a weird way, because it would feel like it's going against the film's integrity and values if it's not showing you it, because it's shown you every other uncomfortable moment. Why would you not show us that one? If you're not going to do that, why not not show us other things as well? I understand people feel uncomfortable with seeing it, um... But it is a movie about a woman who kills herself. And I think you're going to have to just take it at face value that you're most likely going to see it. If you were someone who walked in knowing the story and knowing that this is what the film was and you were 100% shocked that they showed it, I don't think that's on the film. I think that's on you in a, on, a, on a level. I think it's not like the film never demonstrated that it wasn't afraid it wasn't going to show it because it did show all these other very uncomfortable unflinching raw moments i we as yeah we as the audience are constantly looking at this character and yeah we we i was i always keep wording it as like we want to see it happen but it's like we we kind of deserve to see. Well, it's I don't a, know how to word it's this. A, it's, a, it's an uncomfortable thing because it also feeds into what she's talking about before she does kill herself. There is this sick fascination with seeing violence and murder and mm. suicide and all these gory things. Hence, also one of the things that's very interesting about the movie or about this story is there's no, you know, no one has this footage. Only certain people have this footage, and then there are people, the snuff fans, or just people in general on the internet. Yeah, they're really obsessed it. with this. They want to find it, and they want to upload, it and they want to get it, and it just disgusts the remainder of the family. Like it disgusts the remainder of her family that yeah, people like want older this. Older brother, I think it was. The yeah. older brother and the mother had a copy for a while, and it just disgusts them. And you can understand that. But also, you can see with what the film demonstrates, and with it being a film, we know this is a real-life story. We're not saying we want to see the real-life footage. I don't want to. But in the f- this is a film. This is a film. And with what the film had demonstrated with how it was not afraid to be there, it would have felt dishonest of the movie to have not been there in that way. Um, for that moment. So I think it's fine. And I think, again, this is a real life story with a tragic ending. With a lot of real life stories with tragic endings in movies, they show you the tragic ending. Mm. You know? Like, you know what I'm saying? It's it's a tough one, but it's it's there. And uh, 
how did you feel about how the movie doesn't end straight away like with that you think oh the movie will just end and she shoots herself but then the movie's like no 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 you see we're gonna the... see her go to hospital we're gonna see her mother we're not actually gonna see her die on screen properly yeah we don't actually get confirmation but yeah, yeah. that was another thing i wanted to point out too for, for people who don't know the story it may have also been beneficial to them like you to actually see her shoot herself because you may if you don't know you may not understand the full the full effect of what she's done and that she actually did it and that kind of stuff too i'm not saying that they couldn't have done it in an intelligent way that still communicated it without actually showing it to people who don't know the story but people who don't know the story might need to actually see her shoot herself to understand what went wrong and what was happening fully but yeah what did you think the movie just keeps going along and then it takes a shift to another character to end the movie what did you think of that I did like that it showed a variety of the reactions to the whole thing because it really does centralize. It really does put a full stop on the whole thing of, mm. you know, people now see that there were signs. People realize, like, mm. oh my god, everything that she was going through is is it, it was leading up to something on this level. Yeah. Um. You see some characters like trying to very desperately keep themselves sane, like the anchor trying to you know, give this mantra of like, to I'm the sports reporter. I'm lady. A, yeah. I'm okay. And he's trying to get other people into it, but they're just too shocked. It's you, you see people in genuine shock. That's the word. And you see, yeah. like you said, you, you see the scene of the mother when the daughter's not around and she's yeah. got this incredibly human reaction of. Yeah. What do you think mm. about the movie ending, but on her friend though, eating ice cream and singing and that was related to something she said yeah, earlier in the yeah. movie as like a piece of advice for Christine. It's how she tries to get over. That's how she calms herself, mm. processes pain. Well, it certainly tells us that she's in pain. I think it worked. I think it yeah. was nice. I think it adds a little bit of, not much, but a little bit of... Uh, light at the end of this movie a little like if you just ended when it's like christine shoots herself then hard cut to credits might just be like fuck man i don't know but that kind of it does add a little something there a little bit of warmth i don't know it's still like a very depressing movie that when you finish it you're like oh man that was sad at least i feel that way i don't know if it made you that like that sad when you finished watching it it was a sad ending um but that's just you know that's what happened i uh yeah that's christine i don't know if there's much else to say about the actual movie i have some stuff i wouldn't mind talking about that's outside of the movie the real life story partially and some other things but Mm -hmm. anything else from the actual movie you want to discuss um I i think we've done enough i think all, yeah. all else, you can see the movie for yourself. And... Uh, random question. Michael mm-hmm. C. Hall, who plays the news anchor guy, what did you think of his performance in general? Did you find him very good? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that his whole... Because you're not familiar with him? Not too much. No, I know that he's Dexter, I think. I ask that because a part of my initial watching that made it distracting for me is I know him from Dexter, where he's a creep. Yeah, I didn't know. I, didn't... I don't like... 
the character of Dexter in the show Dexter. I find him creepy and weird. So a part of my watching of it the first time was getting over that hurdle mm. of knowing him as the creepy weirdo. And in this, like you said, he rides that line for a little while. Yeah. So I found it kind of hard to warm to him the first I... time just because of the actor's previous work, which isn't actually the fault of the Why, actor yeah, or well, this material, but it does happen. While watching the film, I didn't know who he was. I only found out he was Dexter afterwards. I'm like, oh, that's what he's probably known for. Mm. Um, but yeah, the the as you said, the fact that I saw him as writing this line made him very interesting. It was like, where is this character going? I don't, I don't think he's gonna just be like a creep or something. I think he is genuinely trying to do something. Mm. And then when it leads up to the therapy thing, it it does give you a new light on this character who seemed like a really positive influence. So. Did you do much reading of the trivia or the real-life situation after this? I, I did a little bit. I read the IMDb trivia. I've read, I think, Wikipedia and a few mm. other websites. Uh, very light, summary yeah. kind of details. So the film does, of course, take some liberties or omits things or shifts certain events around and kind of recontextualizes some of the true events, nature I, of it. Isn't there something like the anchor was dating the friend or something? There's a few things. So, for instance, she already had her ovary surgery like a year before she killed herself. So it wasn't this weird thing that this movie leans on. Right. Which, it wasn't a dread that was coming. Which, to me, out of all of the real life changes, is the one I do find a little bit like I don't know, a little bit uncomfortable in terms of that they felt like narratively they had to work that in there as something or other in the way that they did instead of how it actually was. Obviously, with movies, they have to take liberties with with real-life stories. Yeah, it seems like anything that happened in her backstory was, like, vague, and they really wanted that one to be specified, so they just had it happen in the present or something. In the present, and, and make it, like, a, a spiral, like a, a kicking-off point for spiraling down. Mm. Which it may have been. You're right. Originally. That was a, yeah. That was an early sign. Like she wasn't feeling well. Yeah, and then when she found that out, that's when she really fucking got depressed. Yeah. Because uh, she wanted to be a mother, which is also one of the things in the trivia. I don't mind. Like that's the one I mind the most. But the rest of it, it's like apparently the news anchor guy had rejected her advances several times before. Her best friend in the office, apparently, or in the news station, was actually the sports reporter lady. Mm. That character was actually her closest friend in the office. But even then, they weren't that close because the sports reporter lady talked about how she still thinks that Christine just killed herself just for the attention. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember So that. it kind of shows you even further that kind of deal and that her mother was talking about how like Christine was always wanting dating this and her final act was one of the most selfish things that Christine ever did. And didn't someone also say that like she actually had no friends? Well, yeah. Well, that's about the IMDb trivia I want to talk about. That's interesting. But, okay. yeah, she didn't really have a social life, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that other stuff, like, I can I can understand why the film had to place these things here, and it still works. Just the, the, the ovary thing, I feel like, could have been done a little more, because also it, it is very important to the movie, but it's also kind of just in the background of things, just kind of lingering there. Mm. Um, So it could have felt like you could have had this earlier in the movie, like, you know, set like how it was in real life. 
I find the IMDb trivia to be really interesting in an annoying way. We talked about this with Ed Wood. Ed Wood, I remember. Where somebody clearly had some agenda of their own and they've put in on IMDb as trivia their subjective point of view of what the film did and didn't do correctly. Because in the trivia, they point out, for some reason... They point out that uh, the film omits a lot and then lists all these things that the film actually did I remember put, that one. Did yeah. put in, but for whatever person writing it wasn't heavily in there enough. Like, they didn't stress that she was a virgin. I'm like, but they did point that out and it was like a big weighted moment in the movie. And a character had a reaction that, and it wasn't like, stood out. And it wasn't like that came out of nowhere either. We had moments beforehand that were giving us the audience that that understanding yeah. right it wasn't a surprise to you yeah. the doctor mentioned like uh pregnancy she... test and she she scoffed at the idea of a pregnancy test like yeah sure why yeah, not and, and he indicated like oh you probably haven't had it in a while and she had an awkward you could say, response yeah you could that. say that so it's like okay well there's something there i didn't know it was virgin but when it happened it was but like, when okay. it happened it wasn't like it took you by 100 percent surprise no it, it wasn't was... like it didn't the film didn't lead you to the point in which when that's revealed it wasn't out of nowhere you yeah. go oh it... no that's been leading yeah. Towards it, it, that information. Yeah, it was a ah, oh, you've never had it. Not that it hasn't been a while. Okay, right. And I don't like when IMDb trivia does that. I kind of wish that they would crack down on kind of having a little bit more of an objectivity to the trivia instead of this, where yeah. it's like clearly the person who wrote it also prefers. There's this other movie that came out at the exact same time called like other oh, documentary one S- documentary Samantha plays Christine, in which it was about another actress who was going to play Christine, but then didn't get to play Christine. In this movie? In this movie. I'm assuming this, I'm assuming this movie, but she was going to play Christine in a movie, a project of some sort. And it was about, and this documentary was her process to capturing that character and doing research on her. So in a way, the documentary of that is a twofold one where it's about Christine, but it's also about this random Hollywood actress going through the process of becoming Christine. I've watched it. I didn't like it very much. I, I don't know. It's one of those ones where it's like from a documentary standpoint, I kind of wish it went whole one way or whole the other. Like make it a full documentary about the acting process and trying to figure out how to get into the the vein of a real life person or just make it about the real life story. But it was kind of a weird mishmash of both. and I, So I prefer this. Mm-hmm. That made me me with my subjective opinion that I preferred this movie over that one. But I find it very aggravating that you go on IMDb trivia and they have just these people there going, eh, the film didn't get this right, actually. And it's like, well, no, they did have these things here. It's just not to your satisfaction. And the way that the IMDb, IMDb trivia points out they didn't do this, they didn't explain this, when the film actually did... I can already tell that it's someone who watched this documentary in which a documentary presents information like that in a completely different way, right? Mm -hmm. In a documentary, they would stress that she was a virgin and that she had issues connecting with men because she's never actually physically connected. Yeah, that kind of thing. It's it's an analysis where they're not really interested in plot twists. They're giving you the full scope. Yeah, or, or, or slow drizzling of information of character development in the same way as a narrative feature film does. 
this feature film isn't just going to open the film with Christine looking at the camera and going, I'm a virgin who has ovaries that are bad and this, 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 <laughs> right? Yeah. But the yeah. trivia has someone up there just wrote it like, oh, the film sucks because it didn't do it like that. Like a documentary would. And that's no slam on documentaries. They just operate differently. And even different documentaries operate on different levels. That's what I just wanted to point out. It's a weird thing, but I was thinking about it all morning. And I'm like, I've got to talk about this. It's very odd. And the other thing that I want you to speak on, mm-hmm. spoilers for Joker. One of the uh-huh. trivia move po- points was this film may have inspired the Joker because they've got the exact same story beats and aesthetic of it's someone in the 1970s who's been let down by the system around them, they're mentally unwell, and then they go on a TV show and kill someone and or themselves, and they become infamous. And they use the same music to end the movie. How do you feel about that as someone who's actually watched The Joker to see that some that the trivia on IMDb says this movie and The Joker are the same? I can't say that I thought of Joker at all when watching this film. I, music, no! First of all, music, I wouldn't have noticed anything like that. Second, it just seems like capitalizing on a sort of like meme status of the film. Like, a lot of people have seen Joker, yeah. so a lot of people have that in their, you know, realm of... But they're both in the seventies, and they both have people who get killed on live television. Bartek, so that means it's the same movie. Uh, I'm sure if 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 those are the two uh, qualifiers, then Kentucky Fried Movie probably is the same movie too. Hey, but that was actually made in the seventies. This is oh, you're right. That's the difference. But it is set (laughs) in the seventies, I guess. (laughs) You know what, Christine needed. They needed someone on the TV to keep talking about super rats. This, the, the city's plagued with super rats. Because that's all I know about the Joker. Is One of the background information is the garbage men are on strike and there's garbage all over the streets. And that means now there's rats eating the garbage and they're, they're huge rats. And Robert De Niro just says super rats I think in there his was, De Niro voice. I think there was something like that. Um, that's it. That's our review of Christine. Um, I recommend it. It sounds like you would recommend it as well. Yes, I do. Obviously, if you're recommending this to people, go on a case-by-case basis if you think that they should or shouldn't know about the story. If there's people out there who are sensitive to these issues, but you think would still benefit from watching it, it's up to you. Yeah, this isn't one of those ones where it's like, oh, I like this, so I'm going to blindly recommend it to everyone. Like, ba- yeah. base it on if you think someone can appreciate it. Yeah. Um, recommendation for next episode is from the listening people, Bartek. Ah, the good people. The good ones. We are going to be continuing on the real life story stuff, I guess, movie. Mm-hmm. By one of our favorite directors, David Cronenberg. Mm-hmm. Your favorite film, Shivers. Ah, I've seen that. Um, yes. And Star Trek Discovery star, David Cronenberg. Um, a Dangerous Method. With our favorite lead actor, Michael Fassbender. But this is when he was making good <laughs> movies. Well, he made The Snowman 2, but so... What, The, the Snowman streak... 2 came out? <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't The Snowman like the third book No, it's the seventh book. Seventh, Fuck right. Bart, like, don't forget, it's, it's the seventh it's book the... out of like a 12-book series. It's Harry Hole and the Deathly Hollows. 
Yeah, so this is not about Harry Hole. A Dangerous Method also has returning Kira Knightley. Oh. So Kira Knightley and Michael Fassbender <laughs> meet head to head. And they have a fun time. And also Vigo Mortensen is in it. I don't think we've had Vigo on the show. But um, he's, he's the guy from Lord of the Rings. Uh, but we'll talk about it next week. Uh, so that's what we're watching. Make sure to check it out. Bartek, a pleasure as usual to talk movies with you. I'm very happy that you got a lot out of this one. I was I was like, I think Bartek will enjoy this. This is one that I could have seen you and your mum going to the cinema and watching. Literally, when you mentioned earlier in this episode that like this is one that no one had heard of and you don't know if it came out in Australia, I'm like, hmm, well, mum didn't take me to see it, so I don't know. <laughs> I'm not saying that your mum would enjoy this movie, but I'd be interested if you if you if you recommended this one to your to well, your you, mum. You know what she um she liked Joker, but she said that it was very uncomfortable and that like she wouldn't watch it again. So, but your mum, <laughs> but your mum likes mature movies. You've said that on the pod before. Yes, hence we've seen Joker. Joker baby, I'm the Joker baby. Do you know that guy's Australian? There's this in- oh you don't know I'm I'm, like, I'm the Joker baby oh well, oh that isn't that like a meme of yeah some guy? it's this guy who did like a play of it or like a monologue of it and he like has shitty makeup he's an Australian guy so we could always have him on the pod and be like so you're the Joker baby and he's probably next door so <laughs> uh, that's it you can follow us on the social medias of Facebook and Twitter we're always posting stuff on there uh, Bartek where can people email us. You can email us at spitandpolished at gmail.com. Yum, yum. <laughs> that's, a, that's my other podcast in which I talk about Star Trek, but I just felt like saying it because if you want to recommend a movie to us, do it through that email or do it on our social medias because we do take the recommendations. So this next episode uh, is recommended by a good friend, Alex, who is always... Uh, got opinions to share so feel free to share your opinions and or recommendations uh Bartek, um i think it's time to end this episode in a dark way or or light-hearted way what i thought you're going to say yes but ryan we can't end <laughs> the episode because i'm really hungry okay Bartek, how about you eat Yes, but, Ryan, I don't have any food. Oh, cool, I don't even have to involve myself. <laughs> you can just do it all. How about I do your voice instead? <laughs> sure. So, Bartek, how about instead of eating, you just drink some water? Yeah, but... <laughs> Remember to roll your R's. <laughs> I didn't have any R's in that. <laughs> yeah. But! <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, Ryan... <laughs> Ubi groupy Kwanzaa. Uh, Ryan and Bartek. <laughs>